I think the point of time is helpful too. Just to, if you are, if you are coming to a place where you're recognizing sin in yourself and going, wow, I need to repent. Mm-hmm. Just to have the humility to say, this is going to take time. And maybe, maybe my sin has done damage to my reputation to the degree that it's going to take time for these things to be restored. And, mm-hmm. and I, and I, like you said, I can't manage that. I can't rush the process. The, the only thing to do is just, I think of first Peter five, you know, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and mm-hmm. at the proper time he lifts you up. So to just have that sense of, okay, I want to just, I, I want to put myself under God's hand, mm-hmm. completely obey his word. And sometimes that might look like, uh, listening to the godly counsel of friends around you or even the elders of the church and to just humble yourself and say, okay, it's going to be in God's timing, you know, when, when I'm lifted up. Um, Tanner, question for you. Sure. What would you say are, is either the primary barrier or, or barriers to this true repentance? What is it that, that would hold you or, or someone back from repentance? I think the obvious answer for that one, at least in my mind, is pride. No one wants to be wrong, let alone admit you're wrong. I guess that's the number one thing that any of us would come, you know, running face first into is that that initial wall is the pride. Um, I think especially as at least and I'm speaking from my own life here, like as as a husband and as a father, as you know, the biblical head of a household, like. There's a burden. And a responsibility to feel like you have all the answers and you've got it right all the time because people are counting on you. And so to feel, to admit that you were wrong and have to apologize or have to go to great lengths to restore, you know, a part of that relationship that might be fractured or broken because of some sin you've made, whether it's because you just are really bad at showing up on time or being present with your family. It doesn't have to be something like grievous that many of us can think of. Um, it could be in just those daily, those daily things, um, but so many of us don't want to admit that we're wrong. We have excuses for why we were late or why we missed another this or were on our phone a bunch or weren't as present. And so I'd, I'd say the pride, the pride and then the the self-imposed uh, pressure of feeling like we have to have it all figured out and have those answers because we're the ones in charge when rather what would be a great benefit to us is behaving as though, you know, we don't have all the answers, but rather, you know, I'm doing the best I can with what God has given me. Being quick to apologize and repent with your, with your wife. Cause I was, I was listening even to what you and Mike were mentioning earlier and a lot of the language that we're using, even to mentioning how this isn't just an individual thing. This is like a church wide thing. This is a, this is a, a section of scripture that was written to the church as a whole. This is very relational language. This is very like, this isn't just me off on my own repent when I feel like I've offended the Lord, but no, this is me and my brother that I see on Sunday morning. This is me and my wife. This is me and my kids. And I don't know about you guys, but when me and my wife aren't quite, you know, in sync for lack of better terms, like I will do almost anything to restore that relationship. I hate feeling like me and my wife aren't on the same page or we're not in sync. And even my kids, if I feel like I've let my kids down mm-hmm. or if I've done something to, you know, spiritually hamstring them, so to speak, like I want to fix that. I, I, I need to fix that. And so moving past that pride and just being able to say, I didn't just mess up, but I really, really did something wrong. And, and I am sorry. 
That's helpful. I, I, I totally agree, Tanner. I feel like pride is the, the main enemy that would hold us back. My question for you, and we're coming towards an end here, but are there any other Bible passages um, or even just concepts or ideas that you'd want to kind of add in the mix in terms of thinking about real repentance? What does it look like? Anything that you'd add? Yes, I would continue on in 2 Corinthians 7 and pick it up at verse 13. It's really easy for me to read this and go, okay, all right, that that's done. And okay, let's, you know, kind of uh, cap that off and we're all good. Well, the rest of the chapter shows that this is a, a community effort or community experience, okay? Verse 13 says, he says, therefore we are comforted. And, you know, God sees the earnestness. And he says, besides our own comfort, we rejoice still more at the joy of Titus. And you have to ask the question, why, why is Titus getting brought up here? Well, he was the one that was helping deal with this situation. So you've got Titus. It says, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. See, real repentance brings about this lightness, this uh, joy. Um, again, joy after excruciating pain. And he has refreshed and it says, whatever boasts I made to him about you, like Titus, they're going to do the right thing. They're good people. You know, they, they're real believers. I was not put to shame. But just as everything we said to you was true, so our boasting before Titus has been proven true. And his affection for you is even greater. And the idea that Titus holds you in high esteem. Yes, you had to deal with some hard stuff. You had to repent. But he holds you in high esteem. He has greater affection for you even now. And that's what happens when when sinners realize that there's forgiveness in Christ together and repentance is granted by God, there's lightness, there's joy, there's rejoicing. And then at the very end, he says, because he remembers the obedience that you have, how you received him with fear and trembling. And then he said, I rejoice because I have perfect confidence in you. But what do you mean he, he, they received him with fear and trembling? Well, the idea here is that they, they, they received a fellow brother who was bringing some tough stuff to them with this reverence toward God and a healthy fear of judgment. Like, they knew. They're like, we need this. They were receiving it. Real repentance receives the, the rebuke. Mm -hmm. And then, and then kinda, it kind of is just a tender heart. Yeah. So we want to be praying yeah. for that. We want to all be praying for a tender heart right. before God and others. Right. Yeah. I really like that line that, yeah, the, repentance when it's real, it brings refreshment to the believers who are around and, and partake and partaking in that or or in that situation. Um, and that would be a good question for all of us to ask. You know, if if we're dealing with something in our life, do the most mature believers around us who know us well would they be would they have joy over the way that we're responding? You know, mm -hmm. and if the answer is no, well, that just makes me have pause and question, okay, is this, is this repentance? Is it real? You know, if, if, yeah. if the most mature believers around me who know me well are still feeling like they're walking on eggshells around me or, or, or they're kind of able to point a finger, you know, at something and say, Hey, this doesn't seem right. That would be a cause to just kind of reconsider. I was actually thinking of, I don't know if this is directly really a repentance passage, but in second Peter chapter one, mm -hmm. uh, Peter talks about all these different, um, realities that would increasingly kind of, you know, supplement one to the other in, t in terms of uh, your faith. So 
supplementing faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness. Verse 7, godliness with brother affection and brotherly affection with love. Verse 8 says, for if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But then verse 9, what I wanted to point out, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So just to point out this fact that our sin causes us to be blind, um, and it creates this intense spiritual blindness. And especially if our lives are lacking, you know, those characteristics that Peter describes, um, likely it's the case that at some level sin is blinding us, and we've actually forgotten the gospel. We're forgetting that we've been cleansed from our former sins and are now persisting in a sinful pattern. And so I think again, just the call to humility, you know, is there and is necessary of, you know, it's our pride that would say, no, I do see things clearly. I do have it figured out. But sometimes we need, well, at all times, we need to have the humility to welcome that input from others who might be able to help us through our blindness um, and kind of guide us on the road to repentance. So guys, I know there's a lot more that we could say. Is there anything else from either of you that you'd want to offer just in closing? And then I'll bring the plane in for landing in just a moment. I just think of First John 1, 9, just the faithfulness of Christ to forgive. Not for us as a child with permission to go out and keep playing in the mud because we know we can be washed clean like it's no big deal and take that for granted, but how reliable Christ is that whenever we come and genuinely and honestly repent and say, Jesus, I am so sorry for the mistakes I've made and for continuing to do things that would sully your name and trample your blood, so to speak, that you are so faithful to forgive. Just how thankful I am that scripture makes it very clear that the believer has forgiveness in Christ because of how wonderful he is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'd say, bring us back to that John Bunyan quote, the difference between true and false repentance lies in this. The man who truly repents cries out against his heart but the other as Eve against the serpent or something else. That's good. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for all the wisdom and listeners. Hope that was uh, helpful to you as you think about primarily this is all, this is all for each of us to think about for ourselves, right? More than anybody else. So just think about our own hearts and um, hope that just gives you some encouragement and an opportunity to reflect on these things. So we love you and we're thankful for you. We'll talk to you next time on the podcast. And until then, God bless you and have a great day.